Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. The Rebels of the Senex Sector have gained a valuable asset, Praxis Feldspar, who used to work for Project Lifeseed. He is now leading them to the headquarters of this secret organization where they may be able to shut the entire thing down. The Logan's Run has arrived on the planet Juvex where Dr. Praxis Feldspar has told the team that Project Lifeseed's headquarters are located. Here, they could put an end to the secret organization, or it could all be a trap. Until very recently, Project Lifeseed had been segregated into different departments. Even its two main operations had multiple branches that grew out of them. But since the Empire had approved both as major operations for the New Order moving forward, a tower was being built in the Juvex capital that would hold the major operational matters within it, as well as have room for expansions and barracks for the soldiers developed through it. Praxis had seen the building, which they called the Obsidian Tower, though he did not have access to it. He knew that it was still under construction, which meant several portions were still exposed, providing possible access points. But once inside, they would probably require some form of access code to get around from room to room. He knew some of these codes, but whether or not they would work, he was not certain. Before they had left, Vresh, with the aid of the gold droid that had visited, told them that he had a contact on the planet Juvex which had helped them with leads. If they need help, they should visit her at the Blue Cafe two hours before midday. He had given them her description, and a code to say, The eggs here are delicious. If it was safe to talk, she would respond with, I prefer mine scrambled. If it was not safe, she will say she doesn't like them. They arrived at Juvex and landed in the spaceport within the city of Samluk. It was within the imperial part of the city, but it was the only port to land in where they would not look suspicious. Unlike the Cynex capital, the Juvex one had remained neutral. All houses of the sector had areas of town, and shared in its policing. With all the fighting between the houses lately, however, there was much less cooperation, and tensions abounded among the various communities. The Empire, meanwhile, was slowly creeping in further and further, tightening their grip through access to the planet. The rebel team had already seen the spire. The city had several tall buildings, but this was promising to be the tallest and most dramatic-looking of them all. As they had been told, there were still a few portions under construction, exposed areas that looked like wooden wounds. One of them in particular was high up enough that repulsor vehicles were docking at it. After landing, everyone tried to find places to hide their weapons except for Huff, who had both heavy blasters on proud display along both hips. While this was not illegal per se, it was unusual in a city like this, and he got a lot of looks and side glances, including by his own team members, who really wished he'd be a little more discreet. They had arrived not long before Vresh's contact would be at the diner, so they went to meet with her. They all sat at one booth and waited until they saw a very thin insectoid person wander in and head to a table. She was a verpine, 
and none of them had seen any of her kind before. She took a seat at a nearby booth. They waited until their own food and hers had arrived. Then Praxis and Huff got up and approached her. The eggs here are delicious, don't you think? Praxis asked. The verpine turned her head toward them. Her eyes seemed to move around a bit. No doubt some onto the two of them. Then she said, I prefer mine scrambled. May we sit? Praxis asked. Even though she had given him the code that it was safe, he still preferred to make it look natural. She motioned across from her, and they sat. They could see some of her eyes moving around them, no doubt checking to make sure the coast continued to be clear as she ate her brunch silently. Huff asked her what she could tell them about the obsidian spire. She answered quietly, telling him some of its specs, and provided some basic information they already knew, such as the fact that it was being built by the Empire with the intention of filling it with various parts of Project Lifeseed. She told them where several of the operational rooms were, including the headquarters, which was on the 55th floor. She added that the construction crews were made of people hired from every faction across the Juvex sector, some even slaves, and that the exposed areas were good access points. I can get you hired onto one of their crews if you want to get in that way, she said. She also told them that the front entrance was well guarded, and that they would require special clearance to get in that way, and if they wanted to sneak on without pretending to be construction workers, the best access point was the construction site on the edge of the 53rd floor, which was completely exposed since it had not been closed up yet. The only problem there was that one needed a flying vehicle to be able to get to it, and that would be large and highly visible. Praxis asked her about Necros Dawes, the head of Project Lifeseed. It looked as though every one of her eyes rolled with annoyance. No one likes Necros Dawes on Samluk, the contact said. She told them that Necros was known for frequenting a certain nightclub where he planted evidence on people and had them taken away. Most locals were onto his tricks and steered clear of him, but he often got people from out of the area who didn't know his little framing schemes. What club is this? Huff asked. The Corona Club. No joke, and this isn't a reference. This game was played in 2019, and that was actually the name I gave the club. I had no idea what was to come. So, fate? Anyway, back to the story. The contact told them that Agent Dawes somehow got illegal items planted onto the targets to frame them, then arrested them and took them in, most of them never to be seen again. Life seed, Praxis muttered quietly. The contact didn't respond. She just went back to her brunch. Huff and Praxis returned to their table without another word. There, in low voices, they began to plan their move. They decided pretty quickly that they would like to capture Agent Necrostaz and use him as a way in. Doing it this way would not only get them into the spire, but would also bag them the head of the entire project. Even if they failed, they could do damage to it by taking him out. The head of the snake might regrow, but that would at least be an inconvenience to them. And so they determined to go to the club where Agent Doss framed young partygoers. That wouldn't happen until evening, so they spent the day scoping out the place, checking out every exit and entrance, every road, every alley, and all the locations around the building. They even got an early dinner there so they could see what the inside was like. By the time the evening came, they knew exactly where each of them would be, and they went to the club and took those positions. Felina was at the bar in the middle. Huff was near the entrance. Praxis was near the back door, which led to an alley. Kyle was at a table, and Rez was outside at their landspeeder as if he was their driver. Between them, they had the entire place covered. The group had to hang out for a couple of hours, 
during which time they had to shift around a few times so as to not look suspicious. Everyone except Felina, because she was a hot woman and everyone was fine with wherever she wanted to be in the club. Then, about the middle of the night, the door flew open and a man dressed in an all-white imperial uniform strode in. His large white cape flowed behind him, capturing the light from outside like an angel's wings. Inside, the black light made him glow. People who knew who he was parted ways as he strutted through, his eyes searching judgmentally. Praxis pointed him out over the comms, but there was no need. Everyone saw him. He took a position among the crowd and watched. Then Praxis saw someone else that caught his attention. He didn't know why. The man was just standing among the crowd doing nothing in particular and in no way standing out. But something about him seemed off. Kyle, meanwhile, noticed that Dawes nodded to someone else in the club, then nodded his head toward Valina. The man he had nodded to nodded back, and he headed to him, then made his way over toward Valina. Kyle told the others on his comlink. Praxis, meanwhile, wandered his eyes across the club so as not to be staring. They settled back on the man he had been looking at before. The man had a familiar face, someone who was not dressed like an imperial, but sat like one. Then he realized why he recognized this man. He was Necrostas. The man happened to look in his direction, then did a double take and stared briefly at Praxis before looking away. Praxis looked away as well and told the others on the comlink. Correction. The man in the white is not, I repeat, not Necrostas. I have eyes on him. He wasn't sure if the others had heard him. The music had gotten louder and it was difficult to hear anything in the club. Valina was bobbing her head to the music, leaning over the bar with her eyes half closed. The drinks were strong here, more than she had expected. It looked as though she was half out of it. She wasn't. Her eyes were mostly closed because she was using the force to detect what was around her. She saw what Kyle was talking about. The guy approaching her was getting close. She saw that he had a death stick in his pocket, a dangerous substance that was illegal on some planets, probably here too. He sat down next to her. On the other side, Fake Dawes walked up close as well and stood by pretending not to even notice her. The one who was close to her slipped his death stick into her pocket, then turned away quickly for plausible deniability. With her eyes still closed, Valina grabbed the death stick and slipped it into the pocket of Fake Dawes. Then she went back to bobbing her head with her eyes closed, listening to the music. Outside, Rez was getting bored. The thudding of the music through the walls and the occasional spycraft through the comms was making him jealous, and he decided to go to have a look inside. Just as he opened the door and went inside, Fake Dawes whipped around to Valina and shouted at her. The crowd around them backed off, but none of them looked surprised. You have a death stick in your pocket, he accused. You're under arrest by order of the Empire. Felina slowly turned her half-drawn eyes toward him, still half-drunk. Are you being fresh with me? she said. Hey, I think this guy's being fresh with me. Fake Dawes reached toward her pocket and she slapped his hand. Did you all see that? This man accosted me. I'm being sexually assaulted. Dawes reached for her again and she smacked him across the face, doing some real damage. Then she shouted, Security! They were already there. The house security guards were used to having to do the Empire's bidding. Dawes would order them to arrest someone, and they had to do it. So they were already prepared for when they were called. Only this time, for the first time, it was the one they would be grabbing that called for them. The security guards approached, and fake Dawes ordered them to arrest her in the manner that belied how many times he'd already made the same order. But Valina dared them to show what crime she'd committed. Check her pockets, 
Fake Dawes said with a plastered grin on his face. One of the guards pulled out a scanner while another pulled out the handcuffs. It all looked so practiced. But the scanner found nothing. Check his pockets, Valina said. Oh, for the love of... Fake Dawes said as the guards scanned his pockets. They found his death stick. Handcuffs were placed on his wrists as the guards said with glee, You're under arrest. Wait, that's not... Fake Dawes protested, but they pulled him toward the front door. Valina went back to her drink. Rez happened to notice a couple men reaching for hidden blasters. Rez pulled his blaster as he pointed the man out to Huff, who pulled his own heavy blasters. The two men shot the security guards. Huff and Rez shot the two men. Patrons screamed, and the whole club became a hive of panic. More Imperials who had been in the club undercover pulled their guns, and more House members who had been there undercover pulled their guns. Was anyone here just to have a good time? Rez shouted as he and Huff took cover in the gunfight. Fake Dawes tried to grab Volina, and she smacked him in the face. Then Roundhouse kicked him across the bar. Praxis saw the real Dawes running for the back door. He tried to get in the way, but Dawes, having seen him, pushed a bystander into Praxis and kept going, managing to get to the door and running outside. Kyle was already on his feet running toward the back. Praxis told the others by comlink. Huff and Rez ran out the front. Going around the outside would be faster than trying to navigate through the crowds. Valina came to the same conclusion as she followed them. Rez jumped into the land speeder and had it powering up as Huff jumped in, and he was moving by the time Valina slid into it as well. Praxis, meanwhile, was running out the back just in time to see the real Dawes speeding away on a speeder bike. The others pulled up beside him and he pointed out where the speeder was going as he jumped in. They raced in pursuit. Kyle exploded out the back just as they took off. Left behind, he spotted another speeder bike. He jumped on and threw off a panel. Back when he was a slave, he had been in charge of repairing vehicles. He had learned how to connect the wires to start them without their keys. He got it running in no time and began chasing after the others. They raced through the streets, Dawes far ahead. Praxis remembered an alleyway they had scouted earlier in the day that would cut off some distance, and Rez took it. Sure enough, they came out closer to Dawes. Huff climbed up the edge of the landspeeder, readying one of his heavy blasters. Behind them, they noticed that Kyle was keeping up with them on another speeder bike. Just then, sirens began to blare behind them. Local police! Kyle cut across the sidewalk onto an adjoining street. The cop chased after him, abandoning the others. Up ahead, Dawes was coming close to a dead end. They had him. But then Dawes skipped up and over a small building at the end of the alleyway. But Rez still had the problem of the dead end. Can we make that? Felina asked. We'll find out, Rez said, and he turned the vehicle toward some boxes. The repulsors pushed against the boxes and sent the vehicle upwards. The bottom smacked the roof, but the land speeder just barely made it up over the top. Huff was shaken back into his seat, and he shouted, Don't damage my car! You want the car polished, or do you want Dawes? Rez asked. I want you to keep it steady, Huff shouted as he aimed at Dawes. The speeder bike continued to gain ground on the land speeder as it skipped over rooftops. Rez guessed what direction Dawes would be going and managed to cut across his path and gain back the ground he'd lost, and then some. Dawes beelined toward a holographic sign. Rez chased after, despite the sign being so bright it nearly blinded him. Dawes disappeared through the hologram and Rez kept the pedal to the metal. Behind him, Valina closed her eyes, looking through the force through the sign. She spotted danger. Wall, she shouted. Rez didn't heed her. Then she shouted, turn left. Rez got that, and as he leaped through the sign, he turned steeply toward the left. It was just in time. The landspeeder hit a wall just past the sign which would have vaporized them had they gone full speed into it. He punched the vehicle into high gear, chasing after the more maneuverable speeder bike. 
They were in range of small arms fire, however, and Doss reached his hand back and fired a couple times. One of the shots hit Praxis, who fell back on the seat. Realizing he was in range, Huff stood and fired back. His shots hit a part of the speeder bike, causing it to slow down slightly. You're welcome, he told Rez. For what? Rez asked. Get closer, Huff demanded. You get closer, Rez muttered, and he pushed the limits of the engine. While Rez did this, Huff hopped over the windshield onto the hood. He crept forward slowly, carefully. Every time Rez dodged an oncoming vehicle, Huff swore, shouting, Keep it steady! The damage to the speeder bike slowed it down, and the land speeder caught up with it, but they were still going nearly 100 miles an hour. Huff took in a deep breath. He could shoot Dawes, but he would rather have him alive. So he jumped off the hood at the land speeder bike. It was an all-or-nothing proposition. Either he made it, or he was dead. The player had two green dice to roll a success against two purple and one black dice. For those who don't know the game mechanics of this game, that's a very difficult roll to make. And he made it! Dawes tried to point his gun back at him, but Huff grabbed his hand and pointed the pistol at Dawes' head. His foot reached forward and pressed the brake. They dropped toward the ground quickly and slowly. You want to die or surrender? Huff asked. Dawes let go of his pistol and held up his hands. Rez pulled the landspeeder up next to them. Huff said, My co-worker has a few words for you. Praxis, lying wounded in the back of the landspeeder, said to Dawes, Hiya, boss. I quit. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!